So today's gospel is a very famous one, Zacchaeus, who lives in Jericho. And it's, like many gospel passages, it's kind of an icon for us as Christians. And so it says a lot about the whole spiritual life, who we are, who God is, what God has revealed about himself through Jesus. And there's a lot here. And so every word, every sentence is very much soaked with kind of various levels of meaning. And so just to focus on a, on a few things here, I'd like to start at the end, actually. First, we, excuse me, last, at the end, Zacchaeus has received Jesus into his home. And it's, this is an image for heaven. It's an image for great relationship with God. The, the detail that we're told about Zacchaeus after he comes down from the tree is he received the Lord with joy. And joy, of course, is not a, uh, a surface-level emotion. It's not like, while I'm eating ice cream, I'm joyful. Um, eating ice cream is great. It makes me happy. But it, that's more of a surface-level happiness. Joy is the, the lighting up of the entire human being. And so it, it's kind of like uh, maybe a flower or something that's been wilted. And it, it springs back to life. And every single aspect of the plant itself, so all of that which is contained, the psychological, the spiritual, the natural, all, all these things are come to life. It's like God breathing life into us. This is the joy that Zacchaeus experiences as he, as he comes down and he sits with the Lord. And he, he experiences this joy in community with others. So this is an image of the church and an image of what heaven will be like. Being in perfect, perfect, joyful relationship and intimacy with God in a way that never gets old and with others. They have this great feast at Zacchaeus' house with others. And so... It seems to me that the stumbling block and one, one insight that we get about Zacchaeus, um, the stumbling block for him is, is his perspective. And so, of course, you can read this story in many different ways, but Zacchaeus, we're told at the very beginning that he's a chief tax collector and he was wealthy. And so he's the highest rank, essentially, tax collector. He does very well for himself, so he holds a very privileged place as far as the social structure goes, albeit he's not in right relationship with God. He's very clearly, as we read about in the end, he's, he's extorting people, so he's, he's taking more than is just, and, and the guy does well. And so we might kind of consider this image that God presents of hell. And hell is the opposite of heaven. We're talking about heaven here at the end of the story. It's perfect communion with God and it's perfect communion with others. Hell is the opposite. Hell 
also begins now. And hell is isolation from others and isolation from God. There's this fantastic image in, the, in Tolkien's Lord of the Rings. It's the second book. It's called The Two Towers, and there's this, this, this wizard that used to be this wonderful human being. He used to be a great guy. He eventually sides with, with the villain of, of the series, and he's, he's taken down. But he has control over this tower, and he's offered, his name's Saruman, he has control of this tower. He's offered basically like, a, like an like an amnesty, and he's asked to come down and join the people that have just defeated him in war. And that they'll basically incorporate him and forgive him and give him pardon for his war crimes. And he can find a place in the society. Now, from their perspective down there, they're having the, below the tower, he's in this giant tower. And he's kind of screaming this conversation back and forth with his enemies, which are actually the, the good people. The good people are down here. He's way up here in his tower. The good people can't get into the tower, and they don't really desire to. He's kind of locked himself in the tower. But he's clinging on to the very little bit of control that he actually still has. He's got one guy in there who reports to him, and he refuses to come down and relinquish the power. And so he sits, ages, and basically grows decrepit in this tower of isolation by himself. So Zacchaeus, in our story, coming back, is in this tree. And Zacchaeus, again, is a chief tax collector. He does well. He's used to the position of power. The place of comfort for all of us is power. We like to be in control. Various circumstances. There's a tendency to hold on to control of our life circumstances, of our relationships. And the first thing that Jesus asks Zacchaeus to do is to to get down. Get down from the tree. Because Zacchaeus is used to that place of authority, of power, and of being in control. And, of course, we know if if we have any good relationships in our lives, that good relationships require vulnerability. We relinquish control, and we relinquish power, and intimacy is a result of, of mutual vulnerability of two people whether that's friendship or marriage or whatever. There has to be a letting go of control for any relationship to to be beautiful and to be free. That's where the the kind of the, the joy of relationship begins, is the letting go of control. And so I think one of the issues for us, bringing this back to our relationship with God, is... Very often we kind of set the limits and we hold the perspective that we feel like the position of power with God. This is a major tendency in modern times. I talk about this somewhat frequently, so forgive me. But 
this whole concept of, I love Jesus, but I hate religion. I don't really need to have all the rules and, and the regulations, so to speak, that the Catholic Church offers or different, different religions offer. I have a good one-on-one relationship with God myself. Right? That's what that basically means is I am afraid to let go of control and I refuse to get down from the tree. And we use this term cafeteria Catholic. That means I kind of pick and choose which pieces of divine revelation I would like to um, be, be accountable to and which parts of God's law I would like to follow through on. That's the position of control and power. And if we're wondering in our lives, if we're at a, a place in our, in our lives where we just feel like God is completely silent or we hear people talk about God and you know how it sounds so very real. I was just with a man on his, on his deathbed last week and when he would talk about, he's fully cognizant, when he would talk about the Blessed Virgin Mary, he would start crying. That's how real his relationship with her was. Is he accepted her basically like his own mother. That's real faith. And if maybe we are at a place in our lives where we go through the motions, we don't, why is God so silent to me? Why does my friend describe their relationship with God like this? And I don't really feel any of that. Like, what's going on? A, a good examination of conscience might look like, where am I holding on to and clinging on to control? Where have I not let go and handed a particular aspect of my life over to God? Where have I not gotten down from the tree? Because we have all these fears about doing things that God asks us to do. And the fears, of course, are temptations from the enemy. And the fears lead us to this place of, of isolation and autonomy. But to let go of control, to put our hand, our lives in the hands of God, who is our creator, who only has good intentions for us, as we read in our first reading, is to, to surrender and ultimately, hopefully, eventually, to just be kind of malleable clay, as, Isaiah, as Jeremiah says, in, in the hands of the potter. Not to be hard, not to be hard, to be vulnerable, to get down, to let God create a masterpiece and, and breathe life into us and help us to experience the joy that only comes with surrender and just letting go. Lord, what do you want me to do with my life? Your will be done. Surrender, surrender. Jesus, I trust in you. We don't want to be like our current age of non-believers who we live in an age of extreme and intense fear and anxiety over everything. We want to sur- and one of the reasons for that is because we hold on to control and we feel we have to control everything in our lives. Jesus, I trust in you. Jesus, I trust in you. Jesus, I trust in you. 
Lord, we ask you to help us to surrender control as Zacchaeus did of our own household, that is our lives, and let go and, and let you show us the joy that awaits us and the freedom that comes with surrender and help us to let go of any areas of control in our lives that we have not yet surrendered over to you. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. And let us take a few moments in silent prayer just to listen to and speak with the Lord in our hearts.